0: Welcome to episode 96 of the Half Point Brew Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined once again by my co-host, Dalton Willie and producer Johnny Pham. Guys, this is week two of the playoffs. We are four days from this recording until Christmas. A lot of exciting things happening on this Wednesday night, uh, not the least of which is the deathly cold that is going to be approaching all of us by the time this pod releases tomorrow. Dalton, how are you holding up? uh i'm not doing great bob it's gonna be a cold winter on our hands
1: and all i want for christmas is a fantasy miracle to beat johnny fam in the playoffs
0: it go ahead johnny
2: no i'm i'm flattered that you think that you need a miracle to beat me so that's that you know it just says testament to my team so i'm i hope you're rattled and i can't wait to take you down dalton I, i did want to ask you how how
0: you're feeling with your two best receivers having Gardner Minshew and Trace McSworley probably throwing them the ball th- this weekend. That that can't feel too great. There's not a lot of ways to spin that positively.
1: <laughs> um, but when you think about it. But I'm going to try. They're just going to have to target him. And we saw what D-Hop <laughs> did in Houston with a bunch of nobodies. That's true. And, I mean, some people are saying Gardner Minshew's is better than Ryan Tannehill. I'm not some of those people, but it's it's out there. It's, I'm just throwing it out there, you know, so just ready for it. Not excited that Dallas Goddard is also back on the Seagulls offense, just to add some complexity to the A.J. Brown targets. But we will persevere. Uh, Christmas Day miracle is on its way.
0: <laughs> and we'll we'll get to all of that, the, the Jalen Hurts injury, uh, the fallout if he were to not play this weekend. Then we'll talk some more. Uh, week 16-ish type of stuff as we get you guys ready for your playoff semifinal matchups, or depending on your your league format, maybe your your second week of your of your two week quarterfinal matchup. And then we've got a fun kind of uh, dynasty centric or keeper centric, maybe even kind of topic later in the show. Talk some level jumpers, some guys that we think uh, will have a much higher value in 2023 than they currently have right now. But first, where where we've got to start this off, I mean, we've got to get a little Christmassy on this show. So I asked you guys to think about what your favorite Christmas present was you've received in your life. Now it could be, I just realized I hit the wrong one. That's rock. This is Christmas. Now we're more in the spirit here. So it could be any point in your life, adult, as a kid, whatever the case may be. Johnny, I'll start with you. Do you have a, a favorite Christmas present you've received in your lifetime?
2: I have. It was two years ago, and... Oh, recent. Kaylee got Masters tickets. Ah, that's and pretty good. I feel like it, you can't really beat that at all. And I was thinking of the the message that you sent us. So I don't even know if you meant Christmas present we've received or we've gifted. But yeah, that's probably the best Christmas present I have received to date. Nice. Dalton? Uh, I was five
1: years old. It was a fully customizable Jurassic Park pin that they kept the Spinosaurus in in the movie. That was really fun. came with velociraptors and everything. And it was a really good toy. The fence did little electricity crackles. Um, My parents (laughs) took away the batteries very
0: quickly. (laughs) But damn, wasn't fun to play with. So mine... I have two. But the only reason I have two is to say... Probably the Christmas present when I I was a kid that I gave the most reaction to was my cousin Graham, which you guys both know Graham, uh, got a GameCube and Super Smash Bros. Melee for Christmas when I think I would have been like six or seven. He would have been eight or nine, somewhere in that range. I, when he got Super Smash Bros. after getting the GameCube, took the game out of his hands and ran down the hallway screaming i was so excited (laughs) because we because we had been playing it on nintendo 64 for for a couple years and so i was already a big fan my my own favorite gift as a kid i mean it's got to be the psp i got a psp when i was maybe 10 11 somewhere in there. underrated console psp was was pretty goaded as a kid
2: it was ahead of its time. It truly was. And like, yeah. there were like games you can play, but then you could also buy like SpongeBob like episodes. I don't know if you ever had <laughs> one of those or like movies. And I thought that was just the greatest thing because we used to have this like travel like DVD player, like the portable uh-huh. DVD. I was like, oh, I don't yep. need this anymore. I have a PSP. Yep, but you were I, a
0: Nintendo household. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Here. <laughs> oh,
2: you're deprived.
0: I remember I, on my PSP, played many a Ratchet and Clank game and Mm. way too many franchise modes on NBA (laughs) Live, like 2010, (laughs) something like that. Uh, What a time. Merry Merry early Christmas to anybody that's listening. We'll, We'll cut that now and jump into, unfortunately a much more depressing topic than Christmas, and that is Jalen Hurts. Uh, I guess as we record this on Wednesday, we don't know if he's going to play because the Eagles and Nick Sirianni are being a little bit cagey about the whole situation, but he's got a, is it a shoulder sprain? Is that the official diagnosis? But he had someone tackle him and landed directly on his shoulder. Uh, Us being KU football fans, that looked a lot like the injury that knocked our quarterback out for quite some time. So we'll hope. That is not the the severity of Jalen Hurts' injury, but I would be surprised if he plays on a short week on Saturday, and then after that, they play the Saints, who they can probably beat without him, Vigilino. or they may not even need to win that game if they beat the Cowboys this weekend. So, Dalton, how, how are you handling the Jalen Hurts' injury? We'll start at quarterback. How are you feeling about... Gardner Minshew as a potential streamer for either the person who lost Hurts or somebody else who went and swiped them off of waivers.
1: Um, I'm not really I, like this is a good Eagles offensive line, so he's probably going to get time, but as far as streaming goes. It's just really hard for me to buy into Minshew mania again. I think he could have a fine start, but I think that the Eagles are going to probably heavily rely on running the ball and utilizing their run game and just slowing the game down against the Cowboys and hoping that their defense can, you know, confuse and make Dak's life a living hell. So I'm not looking. I would look other places before I look at Gardner Minshew as my starter for my Jalen Hurts loss
0: pats and we have a, a question from uh clamped easy and or clamped easy two M Joy threw me off. Uh we'll, we'll answer all questions more towards the end of the show. So if you want to stick around, maybe pop back in, in about 40 minutes, we'll we'll get to that, I promise. Uh I'm surprised. You're you've you you're the more of the Minshew guy of the two of us, but I, I think he's streamable. Now it's not like he's the best streamer of the week, but if you had hurts or if you were starting other crappy quarterbacks and and now all of a sudden Minshew's out there and you went and grabbed him. Like, I think he's a fringe top 12 guy this week. Like, you look at Minshew and you look at Kirk Cousins, how different are their profiles, really? We know both of their floors are probably less than the floor, below the floor. Like, they could both go out there and do, like, literally nothing. We saw Kirk do it against the Cowboys. Minshew probably doesn't have quite the ceiling, that Kirk Cousins has, like top eight ceiling maybe for Gardner Minshew. But I think he's in a fine spot. I think he's a borderline top 12 play this week. He averaged 18 points a game his last full year as a starter in Jacksonville. He started two games last year in Philly. It was 19 and 14 and a half points. That 14 and a half was against the Cowboys. And I don't know if you guys remember that game. That was the 51 to 26 shellacking of the Eagles in a week either 17 or 18 last season. But it was a little bit of a different scenario than what Minshew and company are going to be dealing with this week. He was throwing the Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, Tyree Jackson. I had never heard that name until looking at this box score. Uh, Richard Rogers didn't realize he was even in the NFL last year until this box score. And then Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith did play this game, but not the same Devontae Smith that we now know and love. He he had three for 32 in that game. The, The dude is definitely better at this point than he was back then. And he was handing it off to Kenneth Gamewell and somebody named Jason Huntley. So the backfield is in better shape too. We know the offensive line is probably the best in the league. He's going to have a lot of support and a lot of ways that this can go well. And that doesn't mean it's an automatic going to go well because it's Gardner Minshew. He could just go out and completely flop. But Start Chase McSorley. uh, Yeah, I I would start Minshew over, over him. And we'll get into it, or I'll get into it, a little bit later in this conversation talking about receivers but cowboys are not quite a scary matchup that that people might think when when it comes to that so i've got no problem firing up i'm, I'm gonna give you two guesses each what do you think gardner Minshew's nickname is on football reference he has two the first one is just mustache
2: Okay, that was going to be my first guess was mustache. Is it not mainstreamania?
0: Oh, uh, no, there's a second nickname, and I'll give you a hint. The second word is king, so it's blank king. I don't know. Is it mustache king? <laughs> no. Okay. Denim king? No, but you're, you're like, getting closer, dog jacket king? What was that? Jean jacket king? No, Johnny, one more. Anything? Take top.
2: I can't think of anything
0: jockstrap king how do oh strap start god. jockstrap king when he's, when he's ready to go out and rock and roll oh wow. my
2: god okay that's <laughs> good to know his nickname thank you
0: <laughs> i just thought that was that was too funny not to not to bring up okay the rest of the offense which is probably what people more so care about uh with this conversation aj brown dalton i think we can both agree you start him you set him you forget him now, you may not have quite the upside as you had before, but you can't do anything about that. You have Adrian Brown, you got to throw him out there. I'm assuming you're in agreement there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he leads receivers in separation as well. And uh, I mean, one positive to all of this, if you're trying to spin it that way, is there's not going to be any scrambling. There's going to be more red zone opportunity for all the skill positions uh, mm-hmm. if they make it to the red zone. And I, I do tend to believe that backups kind of hyper target their best players in an attempt to just get the job done I mean AJ Brown is going to be his first read and I think Gardner Minshew's probably not as good at progressing his reads as Jalen Hurts is
0: no probably not obviously with you there on on AJ Brown Miles Sanders I I think the point you made on the red zone stuff probably directly applies to Sanders who has had many a QB sneak uh scored while, while he stands behind and so Miles Sanders he's been a a low-end RB1 all season, there's just no way you're not firing him up again. But I would
1: be scared after watching him get yelled at on the sideline last week. (laughs) Like, you got to be just a little worried about Miles Sanders this week. You Um, do, but but, no, of course I'm firing
0: him up. Yeah, like, what are you supposed to do? The guys, the RB11 on the season, the Eagles are good. The Cowboys have allowed a lot of points the last few weeks. You just, I think you have to. I think where it gets a little more interesting is Dallas Goddard, who it sounds like he's going to be back and playing. I know it's a scary thought to start a guy fresh off the IR playing with a backup quarterback, but like, what else are you doing at tight end if you have I was Dallas say, Goddard? Is
1: it scary at tight end? Because I just feel like it's there. One of those... There,
0: it. there are only there's only one scenario, maybe two, where I'm not saying I would do it but I can at least see the argument. Like if you are a team, which you there are probably teams out there in this boat. You picked up Evan Ingram at some point earlier in the season and Dallas Goddard is your other tight end and you just rostered both of those guys all season. I think it's totally fine to start Evan Ingram with a red hot Trevor Lawrence throwing him the football. And then the other one, this one I'm a lot less sure on, but I I could see it being a dilemma for people like Juwan Johnson just kind of scores touchdowns a lot. I know it's the Saints, but Juwan Johnson's been a reliable as far as tight end goes, reliable guy for fantasy this year. But it's the Saints. I just don't think you can trust that volatility over a guy who's the tight end three in points per game in Dallas Goddard. But what are your thoughts on Goddard? No, I'm definitely firing him up and starting him. I might read a
1: few injury reports to make sure there's no limits. Like mm-hmm. if he goes through practice, uh, just fine. Especially towards the start of this game, um, I you have to start all these skill position players. Like Dallas Goddard to end last year was more than effective at tight end, and Jalen Hurts was nowhere near as good as he was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I like that going into this matchup. I don't really think that the Cowboys secondary is very strong their pass rush has been the best part of their game and it's going to be a fun matchup in the trenches between these two yeah uh but all three of the pass catchers on this team i'm okay with firing up the starting and i mean like you said earlier i'm in my semifinals, and i'm definitely not benching a.j brown
0: yeah and then devonta smith i don't think he's a guy you can bench either matt harmon has been saying this a lot lately it's a 1a 1b there because devonta smith has been that good like he and t higgins are probably the two guys and Chris Goblin, if you can still consider Mike Evans, the one like Goblin, Higgins and Devonte Smith. Those are the best number two guys on their own team and Waddle. So, like, that, that – so I'm thinking of more as we go here. But, like, though <laughs> – And Ayuk. I, while you <laughs> mention it. <laughs> uh, yeah, Locket Anti-Lockett, actually. If we're... <laughs> Ayuk is probably a, a step down, and Lockett, I think, is probably a slight step down, too. But the bottom line is, Devontae Smith is in the conversation for top number it two receiver. <laughs> top number two receiver in the league. The dude has three straight double-digit games, five of his last six uh, since the Vikings game which the Cowboys won like a million to three or a million to zero. They allowed 20, 19, and 23 points to the Giants, Colts, and Texans, and then 40 to the Jags. Now, I know one of them was the pick six in overtime. So basically 34 to the Jags. I think the instinct that people have, especially with Minshew being the quarterback now, is to look at this as a bad matchup. But on top of just the Eagles having a good offense, having a good offensive line, potentially being able to give Minshew time, having good weapons, all of those things. The Cowboys are actually actually the sixth worst team against receivers in fantasy points per game if you just go by standard scoring in the NFL. So they have been able to be had by wide receivers all season.
1: Well, and I will say, when you look at it, um, because I think if anybody on this team is getting benched out, out of the two wide receivers, I'll leave Dallas Goddard out because you can, might have your own reasons. Mm-hmm. It's Devonta Smith. The Dallas Cowboys defense gives up 12.1 points per game, Uh, to wide receiver ones and 14.3 to wide receiver twos. So I think this is a very juicy matchup for him. And Mm -hmm. I don't think the Eagles are going to come out there and just kind of throw it away. This is like a win, and they're not only in, but they secure the first round by, and they they don't have to play anybody for two weeks, which Mm -hmm. is a whole other scary fantasy. (laughs) But um, this week is very important in that sense. So I'm more than happy to throw those guys out there, and I think you should start them, especially with the weather we have in some games, and we might talk about that later, and with just the overall madness that is like four back of quarterbacks are starting this week yep. it's not gonna be pretty
0: yep yeah there there are a lot of games you know we talked about it being cold at the beginning where we live well we live close to kansas city and denver and there are places from denver clear up to minnesota clear over you know clear wherever it is going to be cold single digit temperatures negative wind chills at a lot of football games this weekend and that will make it interesting for sure johnny if you want to pop back in here we will go to your created segment uh bop or flop could, could you could you explain like what does it mean to bop to pop joking. off to pop off so yep. is so you but you call it bop instead of pop
2: i just wanted something rhyme better i just thought bop sounded better than pop and some people might think it's like soda it's it's like a regional thing i don't know
0: I just, I just wanted that that clarification. I didn't feel like I got uh, a full explanation when I listened to the show when I was gone. What what the significance of mm-hmm. of bop or flop means? Uh, we'll start with. Do you guys want to start with the flops or the bops? I like my vegetables before my dessert. So I don't I like so, to say that. So I don't. Like, I don't does know what mean? <laughs> means we got to go flop first.
2: Ah, okay.
0: All right. So flops. This means guys who. Not necessarily our must bench, but guys who, at least this is how I took it, that are going to underachieve uh, in your fantasy lineup if you start them this week. Dalton, I'll let you kick it off. This one was pretty easy for me. Uh, I have Christian Kirk here. This is not because Johnny has
1: been fantasy football. <laughs> Full disclosure. First, Christian Kirk is going up against Sauce Gardner, who's yeah. been a matchup nightmare in fantasy. Trevor Lawrence is dealing, and Trevor Lawrence really is dealing without like, over-targeting Christian Kirk. He was a pretty big non-factor last week until the end. He had some big plays, but Zay Jones and Evan Ingram were out targeting him. Even Marvin Jones was getting some targets there. And I don't think that's a, a slight at Christian Kirk. It's it, how good Trevor Lawrence is, is that he's able to make his reads effectively. The Sauce Gardner matchup has been absolute nightmare for fantasy football. Uh, on top of that, it's a Florida team traveling to New York uh, on the right on this cold front. And I know like that seems like a bad argument, but. Teams playing in cold from Florida just historically have underperformed in it. The Dolphins do this all the time, where in December they go to New England
0: and they just suck. And it was funny. As soon as it started snowing in that game in Buffalo last week, it was like Dolphins were like, yeah, we're out. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> we're it's, it's absurd. We want it just and to end.
1: These guys get soft spending their whole time in Florida. But in the inverse of this, people come down to Florida in August and September games and get absolutely shellacked by the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely a horrible matchup, I think, for Christian Kirk. The most, I think, all wide receivers on this team and skill positions, we have to kind of take a step back. But it is Trevor Lawrence playing at, at an elite rate. But I think he'll be a real flop for a lot of people who have relied
0: on him at a very spectacular season. So I'm curious. It are you have you seen anything to indicate that? Because I, I don't know how the Saint, how the I don't know why I said Saints how the Jet how the Jets have deployed Sauce Gardner this year against other number ones like do you do you think he's gonna travel with Christian Kirk or you just anticipate him, we get that matchup enough that it's a problem
1: so when I was looking at it and I was listening to a podcast with Ben Gretch. today he's shadowed number one corners on 78% of his matchups very famously one of the times he didn't shadow was the Justin Jefferson touchdown to beat the Jets where Justin Jefferson switched sides of the field mm. um, but Sauce Gardner has not been like a side of the field matchup dependent corner he's been a guy who's followed ones all season long
0: that's good to know the uh and you may very well be right the thing i would wonder it's at least possible is if maybe just zay jones being the bigger bodied guy if he gets a little bit more sauce than than the average number two that that's a very funny that's someone starting zay jones i really hope not (laughs) (laughs) okay johnny your flop
2: my flop, I am hoping this is uh, reverse psychology, but my flop is Joe Mixon. Uh, ah. He's playing against the Patriots on the road, who have who have the third lowest on average fantasy points to running backs behind the Titans of 49ers. The so Patriots have a good run defense. And I just don't love how much Joe Burrow is throwing the ball. I think the last like five games has been like mm-hmm. – 50, 40, 38, 38, and it just feels like Mixon just hasn't really done a whole lot since his like four touchdown outbursts, and he hasn't scored since then, too, which now he was out for a couple weeks with the concussion, but he hasn't gotten over 70% of a snap percentage since week eight. Uh, I'm just concerned that they're going to limit him just to go into the playoffs and not use it as much and use Piron more, just not have him as involved in the passing game because I feel like he's not doing a whole lot, and I mm-hmm. Mixon's like not a guy you're gonna bench by any means, but it's not a guy that you're gonna expect to kind of be a bop player and like score four touchdowns. Like that's just not what's gonna happen. But I I don't think he'll score more than like twelve because the last three games he's had eight, eleven, and eight points. Like it's not been mm-hmm. a, a great outing for him, and uh, I I think going up against the Patriots have a great run defense isn't gonna isn't gonna help his cause
0: it, it's pretty wild he had five receptions for 33 yards last week but still didn't even get to eight points because he had 11 rushes for 21 yards and with that game being a kind of standalone game later in the day mm-hmm. saw a, a, a lot of those runs and he just had had absolutely nowhere to go yep well the The work, since the Pirine,
1: since Pirine filled in really effectively for Mixon, I mean, the work was split like 60-40, I think, last week, um, favoring Mixon, obviously. But I think Pirine might have earned himself a bigger role in that offense uh, for better or for worse. We all know Zach Taylor can't get enough Samaje
0: Pirine, even if he did
1: cost you the (laughs) Lombardi trophy. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, my flop. Uh, I'm going to stick with Dalton's game and stick with uh, Johnny's position. And you know th- these are going to also seem like we're, we're sticking with a lot of our either our own guys or guys in our matchups this week. I'm going Travis Etienne oh as as a, as a flop this week. Weeks 10 to 15, where would you guess Travis Etienne ranks among running backs? Just just total points. He he's had one bye week, but so have a lot of guys in that stretch. He, and he he did leave one game early injured, so I'll give him that slack. But still, where do you think he ranks? 26. Is he outside the top 20? He is the RB44 wow. in weeks 10 through 15. He is yeah. one spot behind J.K. Dobbins, who has played two games in that stretch. He's behind Marlon Mack, who is, I guess, doing things again right now. Jeff Wilson, who just missed last week, uh, and missed actually the last two weeks, basically. He he's a, he is um behind him. And then uh Chuba Hubbard, he's one spot behind Chuba, who has played every game, so that's the only reason for that. Chuba. But He's averaging six points per game in the last five weeks. It is not good. It's 11.7 points last week. uh, Was his first double-digit scoring game since week nine. The Jets rank in the bottom third in the league in rushing yards allowed to running backs. And the thing with Etienne is if the running's not going, you don't have anything else to fall back on. He has zero receptions and zero targets in two of his last four games. We've talked about how the pass catching just hasn't been there like we expected this season. It's funny, he's still very close to hitting his prop for receiving yards, but I don't know if he's going to get there because he's just not getting like literally any <laughs> targets right now. So basically, you need a touchdown or you need a long run because this matchup is probably going to be tough and be a real grind for him running the ball. Kind of like Mixon, he's not a must-sit, but you, I just if you're starting him, you're doing it, and you're holding your nose, and you're not feeling good about uh, your potential outcome. Well, what's funny about that is
1: if you would have told me at the start of the season he was RB44 for the last six weeks, I would have told you that's because the Jaguars' offense was tanking. And it's doing quite the opposite. Like, it's humming. And Trevor Lawrence looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the football right now. So it's really insulting to Travis Etienne um, owners
0: that he is not part of that productive offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, RB44 for, for over a month, that's that's a pretty big chunk of the season. And then when you think about it, he wasn't doing much early in the season. So we've seen more of Travis Etienne not being startable than Travis Etienne. We, we've we seen not startable, elite, and then not startable. That he has not had an in-between this season. Has not been good. All right. Some bops. Bob. Bob. Johnny, lead us off. Show, show us how it's done with the bops.
2: My first bop is going to be DK Metcalf. He's playing the okay. Chiefs.
0: Yep. The Chiefs uh, were right there with the Cowboys when I was looking at that handy-dandy chart earlier today.
2: Yep. They give the fifth most points to wide receivers. Uh, Tyler Lockett's out. It's just kind of a numbers inevitable that DK's target share is going to go up. Um, I I think he's going to... He averages like around eight or nine. I, I think he's probably in line for a like 12-plus target game. Mm-hmm. Probably sprinkle a uh, anytime touchdown on him as well because I'm not sure who the other Seahawks receiving core is besides DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I, I just think he's just going to have a really good game. Especially with last week, uh, Geno Smith not looking like the normal Geno Smith that we've used to used mm-hmm. to seeing this last year, just because he,
0: uh, he is looking he's looking like the normal Geno, <laughs> not 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 the abnormal from years past. Geno, that's true,
2: that's true. But they also played the Niners, who's just also a tough defense to yes. get around, and the Chiefs' defense is little not as great as the Niners. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think DK is gonna. Be a bop, and if you have him in your lineup, you're just gonna feel pretty secure with him in there.
0: Yep. I I agree. And you know, not only is the Chiefs defense a friendly defense to play against, they have not been playing well lately, the last couple of weeks. And you figure you look at the other side, like the Chiefs are going to score points in this game because the Seahawks are probably equally as bad, if not worse, than the Chiefs on defense, especially in the last couple of months, after the first month of the season, really. So yeah, I I like DK as the volume play. And if he gets volume, he is probably going to put up uh, some numbers and the chiefs, like who are they going to put on him? Like Joshua Williams is their big corner. He's a fourth round rookie. Who's fine, but they, there's no matchup for DK Metcalf, but the matchup that the Chiefs struggle the most with is the big receivers. Who are really good or Jamar chase. Who's just, uh, you know, unguardable, but like, if you're, if you're talking about guys who are not quite the best in the NFL, it's the bigger guys as opposed to the smaller guys who I would be more concerned about for their defense. Yeah, it's definitely not a favorable matchup. And this
1: game, there will probably be points put up, and the Seahawks might be without Kid Walker and will be passing the ball more. They're nine-and-a-half dogs, which kind of surprised me. Um, But also, it's going to be a really cold game. And yeah. Again, I and I'll probably say this a couple more times. This podcast, I'm doing whatever I can to get any players in those games away from my starting lineups out of fear. Like there will be players who do well, no <laughs> doubt, but like there's going to be some. Some of those games are going to be horrible to watch. I'm already sure. Last week was a great week for football. This week's going to be a bad week for football.
0: I will say, I, I obviously don't know how um, the other places of the NFL are. I know the Chiefs have a heated field, so that should help. Like if there's any rain with it also being negative six wind chill that day, that at least the field shouldn't be in too bad a shape, like too hard to get traction on. So hopefully that's the case for other places as well. We can only hope. <laughs> All right, Dalton, your bop. Uh, in the same vein,
1: uh, I looked for a player who was not playing somewhere. This massive cold front was hitting us. And in a game with some plus EPA. And it's Jabal Williams for the Detroit Lions, who are traveling to Carolina against the 28th ranked Carolina Panthers rush defense. This rush defense famously let Johnny Fams, Joe Mixon, score 52 fantasy points against me. Yep. Um, so I'm a pretty big believer that this offense, especially in the red zone, has not been a good done a good job at preventing touchdowns. Detroit has magically played themselves into a win-and-you-might-be-in situation, so they have nothing to lose and everything to gain in every game they're playing. They are one of the best teams at converting third downs. They're going to sustain drives. It's going to be a lot of work for Jabal Williams, and I don't think Carolina's defense is good enough to stop Jared Goff, uh, which (laughs) is not a statement I thought I'd be saying in Week 16, but here we are. And with all of that, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Jamal Williams to get into the end zone, which is really mm-hmm. where he's productive in fantasy. Yeah. And that's what you want in these weeks. You, you win your playoff games, not on consistency, but sometimes those blowups are what get it for you. And Jamal Williams is one of those players who I think has all of the the attributes
0: in the week that could lead to that. Yeah, the the matchup is so good that I've seen people online trying to talk themselves into a little DeAndre Swift uh, semi-final starter. Oh action, no. Which <laughs> I, I don't want to do, but that... Uh, adds fuel to the fire that that you're throwing out, that, yeah, it's a good matchup for the Lions and, and for this rushing game, no doubt. Yeah, and it's warm. It's warm in Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my bop uh, to stick with my own personal matchup this week, uh, J.K. Dobbins. This dude has looked good in his first two weeks back, a lot better than he looked earlier in the season. Dalton and I talked about that a little bit last week after his first game, and it was more of the same. This last week, and it was a similar type of day where he looked awesome and was making, you know, had great vision, making great cuts. Doesn't quite have that long speed yet. So that gets you excited for the future when that does eventually come back. But there is a lot to be excited about right now. His first two games off the injury, he's at 225 yards rushing and one touchdown, averaging almost nine a carry in those games. He's been close to a 30% touch share. In those two games, and he's got the Falcons this week, which it may not be the Falcons of old where it's like, yeah, start literally everybody, and especially with the Ravens who don't have a lot of people to start. That's not what you're doing, but I think Dobbins is in a nice spot. They've allowed, they've allowed a lot of running backs to, to have nice days. They're comfortably in the bottom half of the NFL uh, against running backs in fantasy this season. Alvin Kamara broke double digits last week, which hadn't happened too much in the last, last six weeks or so for him. So he's got a friendly matchup. Their receivers are even more banged up now than before with Duvernay being out multiple months. Huntley also banged up. Like, they are probably going to have to run this ball a lot. And I think regardless of who the quarterback is, they're probably going to score more than three points this week against the Falcons Dobbins is getting the volume that he hadn't gotten in the past where he was a touchdown dependent guy while also being super efficient now he's just getting the volume and being super efficient so if he does score a touchdown or perhaps more than a touchdown this week he he could be a big time explosion explosion in your lineups
1: yeah I like that I think that this is a team that's just going to have to rely on the run game Mark Andrews has been next to non-existent for them in the passing game for mm-hmm. whatever reasons. Uh, like you said, Huntley's banged up. Their offensive line is one of the few positions that's not in shambles on this roster right now. It seems like it's a typical Ravens thing the last two years, just mm-hmm. to, to go through the slew of injuries. Uh, and it's just him and Gus. Justice Hill is getting work in some weird way again. Yeah, well, sure. we, but
0: we don't care. Like we don't we, care we don't care. Us, no, so. don't
1: don't get don't get cute if you're trying to start him. Mm-hmm. Um, but J.K. Dobbins is the only player on this roster who's looked, like, really explosive with all of their injuries, and the Falcons do suck. So, mm.
0: Yep, and the Ravens could really use this win, frankly. Like, they, they're they to the point where it's like, okay, like, they have not been babying Dobbins since he got back, but, it's like, they really probably need to ride him this week to to a win, like, to, to be frank. Like, they, they are in major danger of, number one, losing the division, and then I have looked at the standings, incredibly closely, but their record is kind of slowly falling. Like they they're gonna find themselves with an important week 18 game to get to the playoffs if they're not if they're not careful. Yeah, well and I like I said a couple weeks ago, there's been rumors about
1: Firing Harbaugh. Like there's a very disgruntled fan base here. Mm-hmm. They need a win. And a loss to the Falcons this late in the season that could result in them losing the division to the Bengals it Bad, bad look for them all around. It's also played in Baltimore this week. I don't suspect they're going to want to pass the ball a lot. I suspect they're going to be on the ground with a chilly Baltimore day.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of a team that we don't know if they're going to pass the ball a lot, that is the Colts. And that is even without Jonathan Taylor, who was put on the IR with an ankle injury. I believe it was a high ankle sprain. He's out for the season. I guess. The question I have written down is is Deion Jackson, a must-start running back, but you're shaking your head no, I'm with you, and that's because we have to think of Deion Jackson and Zach Moss. And when you have two running backs in an offense like this, and both running backs are Jags at best, below average, probably most likely, uh, for these two guys, you have no running backs that you want to start for fantasy. Like these guys are emergency flex plays if you have Jonathan Taylor and you don't have much else behind him. Yeah. Well, the other thing I did because
1: the announcement today that Nick Foles would be the starting quarterback instead of Matt Ryan. I just went and checked Nick Foles' historical target rates. And he was like, over the last five years, he's like 29th in the NFL in target rate to running backs. If you do recall, even the year the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl, Nick Foles late, it just wasn't a game where he's a check down guy. It's not really Nick Foles' game. And the one game this year Deion Jackson had that was really impressive came on the back of like 10 or 11 targets, I yeah. think. It, um, I don't see it happening. This offensive line is not the Colts' offensive line of last year no. either. No. So you can't just plug and play, guys. It, it's a disaster in Indy, and outside of Michael Pittman, which even now is getting a little unsavory to start. Like he's wide receiver twenty, but other than last week, he's been a real dud lately. I just, I'm just not trying to start anybody there. Yep,
0: yeah, it is way too much unpredictability for me in in week sixteen and the semifinals of of my playoffs. I I saw today that because because Foles has been on the roster but I don't know if he was on the practice squad or like what his situation with them has been, but he basically has not practiced with the first team offense since training camp. And he did very little of it back then. So who knows what this offense will look like? I mean, on top of just Jeff Saturday being there instead of Frank Reich, like now you have a quarterback who hasn't ever taken a snap in practice with Jeff, Jeff Saturday as the coach uh, with the first team offense. And then you've got, a bad offensive line, like you said, and two running backs that I, we just don't really trust their abilities. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's always tempting to want to just blindly start opportunity in the fantasy playoffs because it could very well work out. But there's also a world where you get Houston Texan, where <laughs> Daria Gumbawale has whatever, like 1.9 points. Rex Burkhead has – three points yeah Yeah. 2.7 whatever it was and then royce freeman has i don't even know what he had but it was less than four like it like it has every opportunity to be that type of box score for this team any given week now yeah what if i'm just trying to read the cards
1: um i would not have any hope that this organization's making any smart plays they're playing like a 34 year old journeyman instead of sam ellinger who I understand he might not look the best, but at least you know what you have by putting him out there and he's young. Uh, So I'm not expecting them to go out there and like make any other savvy moves where I feel like, well, they want to see what they have in these guys. I don't think they're doing that. I think they think they can win the game and they need to win the game and it's going to be ugly.
0: Mm -hmm. Agree with you there. Okay. Okay. Real quick, before we get to the level jumpers, I think we, we've got to talk about Jarek McKinnon. Get Give him his his two minutes on, on this show. One over the last two weeks. Dude's been the RB1 the last two weeks. He's put up more than 60 points. He has eight, or about 60 and a half points. He has eight more points than the RB2, which is Christian McCaffrey. Right now, over the last two weeks, Like he, it's a very small sample, but he's been unbelievable. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is a top blank running back rest of season and i'll give my answer first i said top 15 i wanted to say top 12 but i do think there is a little bit of a floor with mckinnon where if the chiefs don't need him that he it's not crazy that he wouldn't get a ton of touches in a game, but the way things are going lately, you think it's more likely than not that a big reason why they're up in a game where they don't need him is because he, he made a player too is like he, he contributed in a way to getting there. And it also it's the chiefs. They have not, re- I mean, they got up 27 zero against the Broncos and played like crap since then, like on paper, you would think they'd beat the Seahawks handily. And you'd think they'd beat the Broncos the week after handily, but they may not. And, we just saw McKinnon go crazy on the Broncos. That matchup doesn't scare you. And then the Seahawks is a very, very favorable matchup. And just looking past the last two weeks, weeks 11 through 15, which is all the games without CEH, I'm not counting the Chargers game because that injury happened mid-game, he's the RB7. Now, I know that's on the strength <laughs> of the last two weeks, but he was starting to get more involved after CEH went out even before the explosion. So it's been it's been good times for McKinnon and I think it just has to keep rolling out there. Yeah, and I'd put him top top sixteen or seventeen. When I was looking at my rankings, he kind of
1: falls in uh down there. One thing I do just want to pat ourselves on the back because it's been a season of a lot of our takes being wrong. Uh, you and me were on the train in the off season. Like it's yeah. draft McKinnon and not Pacheco or Ceh. Mm-hmm. Throughout like the Pacheco hype, we were still. And if you and if you C- have
0: Pacheco, H. you're you're probably happy. Yeah. But he's not coming
1: through the way McKinnon no. is right now. And McKinnon has always been the better back. The all the issue has always been his legs just don't hold up. He's yeah, he's not built for a full game, and, and he's getting and, deployed and, correctly right now.
0: And Pacheco is the better pure runner, but as far as a pass blocker and a receiving back and we saw late in the game like they get the ball back in overtime pacheco had fumbled who they give the ball to on that play it's mckinnon and mahomes told them hey two hands on the ball and the dude went went right down and scored well mahomes was sacked twice in that game and one of them was pacheco missing a block yes like when the game
1: matters there's a high likelihood that mckinnon is the guy on the field and also it takes a lot of chemistry to do what he did two weeks ago, where Mahomes is running down the sideline and passes the ball over his head to Pacheco on a wheel or McKinnon on a wheel route for a six uh-huh. six-yard touchdown.
0: That's that's something
1: you don't game up in practice.
0: Did you see the clip on the sideline of McKinnon talking about that play right no. after? So, number one, a little insulting. I think I sent that to the Twitter group, so un- unfortunate that you <laughs> that you missed it. And number two. So McKinnon is talking to somebody else and basically goes, you know, when I saw him scrambling, I knew he was either going to run it or do some crazy shit. And he did some crazy shit. (laughs) So so like McKinnon, McKinnon knows like he he's been here long enough. He, he knows uh, what the deal is when you're playing with Patrick Mahomes. And and yeah, we're kind of to the time of year where some more creative uh, screen game stuff is starting to come out and the chiefs are starting to open it up a little bit. And McKinnon is the, the beneficiary of that uh, in the passing game for the running backs for sure. Okay. Anything else on McKinnon before we get to our level jumpers and get out of here?
1: I mean, the last thing here is you do want to be starting guys on teams that need to win. Yep. And the Chiefs aren't in an advantageous position to bench players. They're still fighting for that number one seed. They're going to need to win every game. And the last three weeks, like this defense has looked especially awful, which is good for the offensive output.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Okay. Level jumpers before we hop out. And, ooh, Johnny, I think you and I clicked that at the same time. Nice, you're on the ball. Uh, With the level jumpers, like I said at the top of the show, basically, these are guys who may not have the highest uh, value right now. And we think whether it is a change of scenery, whether it is the scenery around them changing, or just the team improving, whatever the case may be. We think these guys are going to have a better outlook in 2023 than they have right now. Dalton, let's hear your first level jumper.
1: I'm so glad you let me go first because I know if you didn't put this guy on your list, you certainly thought about it. There, there's a
0: good chance we have some overlap here.
1: Um, Well, this one is Calvin Ridley.
0: Oh, no, I don't have him on my list, but I oh, did think go. about it because he, he obviously like – is a complete zero right now. He's a wide receiver 66 in some dynasty range,
1: which is absurd. Uh, We are two seasons removed from Calvin Ridley looking as good as like Julio Jones was in that offense with Mm -hmm. Matt Ryan. Um, First, like just forgetting about last year. If you look at Trevor Lawrence this year post bye week, he looks like a top five quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, His metrics especially are putting him there. The, Yards per Gretsch does a adjusted completion percentage over expectation. He has him fifth in the NFL behind only Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert. So this is a guy who's a great quarterback. And in no offense to Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley is like substantially better than Christian Mm -hmm. Kirk is at playing football. Last last time we saw him. Last, yeah. But he's also only 26 years old. Yeah. Like he's still very young. He's still at a prime breakout age and, I'm not saying you can get him for free, but at the start of the season, you probably could have. And Mm -hmm. now, even if there is some optimism around him, there's still going to be, you know, a lot of retinence about what he's going to show. I'm more than happy to say that, like, this is one of those guys who top 24 is like painted on him when he's going to play next year. This offense is getting better. Trevor Lawrence is getting better every week. And when you see a quarterback making those adjustments, I want to buy into whatever offense they're on. The Mm -hmm. Jaguars have picks. They have competent
0: coaching. Like It's really hard to paint a scenario where they get
1: worse than they are this year.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, the thing you worry about slightly is they are going to have a decent pick. So maybe they're going to be in a position to draft a receiver in the first round if they want to. But they're not. I mean, they have Kirk. They have Ridley. And we'll see about Evan Ingram. I don't even remember what his contract status is. Maybe they bring him back if he's expiring. But but yeah, I, I like the call just because Ridley, like you said, he's in the 50s and 60s in pretty much any receiver ranks you look at. Which I'm not even saying that's unfair right now because we kind of just need to see Ridley make it to the start of the season, get on the field. You know, it wasn't just the, the gambling issue that has him out for the whole year. Like that, he was having mental health issues. There was a lot going on that we don't know about, obviously, but we can hope that maybe the change of scenery is a little bit of an elixir for him mentally. And he's able to get back on the field and and be the Calvin Ridley that, that we know and, and saw as a great player. And you said it, he's young, but at the same time, a guy that is missing, I mean, he's going to be almost two years removed. So we just can't say for certain what he's going to look like. So I get the hedging on his rank, but I'm also with you. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Calvin Ridley week one, we see him. He looks great. Or even like we see him in the preseason and we see enough towards like, okay, that looks like Calvin Ridley. He was my wide receiver 45 in Dynasty. He is now my wide receiver 23. Like it, it could happen quickly for him. I agree. Yeah.
1: Well, like I, I, probably a good comparison to this and he's a little older is Michael Thomas. Like yeah. Michael Thomas still came back and was a very effective receiver. It's not like he's not playing because he was bad. He's not playing because mm-hmm. he got hurt again, which is a whole other story. He mm-hmm. probably wasn't the same form he was, but he's also – older than calvin ridley i do think we'll see him return yep. and be an effective player also he's not playing because he got suspended for gambling not for a foot injury that was yep. really weird
0: the the thing you like about ridley just talking about some of the just the the mental health stuff and not necessarily mental health but just being engaged Is like i know you guys probably don't follow him on twitter i do as a calvin Ridley dynasty owner i follow him on twitter i am quite interested in his uh off the field dealings while while he's away and he has been pretty locked into the Jags the, the last uh, last month or so, tweeting, tweeting about these games. So i just like to see that. And the Michael Thomas comp is an interesting one and a good one because what you said is right. It, it's going to be a similar amount of time. He's not missed the time due to the injury like Michael Thomas did. But Michael Thomas wasn't quite the same guy when he came back. And Ridley, that could happen for Ridley too, just because two years is a long time. But – You know, Thomas went from the wide receiver one to a wide receiver two, like low end one. Ridley could easily go from a, I mean, he was the overall wide receiver one for like a solid half of his last full season and finished as a top eight receiver. He could go from a top eight receiver to the wide receiver 20 to 25. You know, like I I, I can totally see that drop happening. And he's still a great player to have on your team in that scenario. Yep, I agree. Who's all right, your first? so this one, uh, is Deontay Johnson on on your list? No. See, like, I just feel like Deontay is kind of low-hanging fruit because when we talk about regression candidates during the offseason and next draft season and all of that stuff, like, Deontay Johnson is going to be the guy when we look back on. We'll see how this season ends. He just went 10 for 98 this last week and I think was, like, the wide receiver 15 which was his highest finish, his best game of the year. Still not a top 12, so his best game of the whole season. Still not a top 12, which you never would have thought about Deontay at this point heading into the season. But uh, from your guy, Davis Matic, Deontay Johnson is the first player ever to record over 109 targets and not score a touchdown. Now, targets have only been counted since 1992, but that's still that's 30 years. And that's a lot of pass-happy uh, NFL years that, that we've had in that stretch. The next closest guy, so Deontay Johnson has 123 targets and no touchdowns. The next guys on that list are 109, 107, and 103 targets. And then you just look at the team. The Steelers have nine passing touchdowns this season, one of those being by Chase Claypool. So they have eight (laughs) passing touchdowns. A guy not even on the roster. (laughs) And Claypool has two total touchdowns for the Steelers this year, which is two more than Deontay Johnson has, and he hasn't been on the team for a while, and it's not nearly as good as Deontay Johnson. But the Steelers have nine passing touchdowns, eight of them by their quarterback. Since the turn of the century, the Bengals, with six passing touchdowns, have the fewest passing touchdowns in any season. Now, there's three games left. Maybe the Steelers pass for a couple more touchdowns, but that just gives you an idea. And since 2010, so since the passing has really picked up, the Chiefs in 2012 set the low mark with eight passing touchdowns. We're Didn't No,
1: no wide
0: receiver recorded touchdown
1: that year for Kansas City.
0: I believe that is correct. So they're just a small step above the worst passing touchdown rate in modern (laughs) NFL history. That's what Deontay Johnson and the rest of those guys. But Deontay Johnson, to a worse degree with zero touchdowns, obviously, is dealing with, you know, George Pickens with two and Pat Friermuth with two receiving touchdowns are pacing that bunch right now. So it's just been rough all the way around. I I, With you, I don't think uh, Kenny Pickett is the long-term answer, but year two, I just have to imagine that it's going to be better uh, for Pickett. And I am also really hoping that they have a new offensive coordinator not named Matt Canada next year. I think that would help big time too. You know, I know Deontay can be his own worst enemy and on the field sometimes in the way he's perceived, like stop running backwards, dude, stop being Demarcus Robinson or stop dropping – like every third key pass that goes here. Like he doesn't have that many drops, but it just seemed like he drops key passes way too frequently, but he is still so hard to cover one-on-one great route runner, all that stuff still true. Like you can go watch his highlights this year. Like he, he still is the same guy as far as all that goes. I think we can probably, whether it is before the season or maybe like after a week or two into the season next year, I think we'll look up, and say, yeah, Deontay Johnson feels like a pretty solid wide receiver two or high-end three, which is not his perception right now. And a lot of that is just touchdowns. Like, the volume is still there. He had 169 targets last year. This year, he has 123, like I said, probably going to finish between, like, 145 and 155. He's sixth in the NFL in targets this season. And his wide if receiver 44? Yes, and, and, and you look at – The other guys in the top 10 and targets, there are three guys in the top 10 that have six touchdowns. That is the low mark outside of Deontay Johnson's zero. It's like just literally unprecedented what what is happening to him this season. It it really is absurd.
1: He didn't even cross my mind for this list, actually, which kind of surprises me. Um, You know, a few things I'll say on it. If you listen to last week's episode, you know I'm not like a real strong believer in George Pickens. I certainly think he's talented. But again, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this offseason he tries something stupid like says he's requesting a trade and forcing his way out of Pittsburgh, (laughs) never plays football again, or just as likely comes back and dominates on the field. Um, But targets correlate to the most talented player on the team. I've always believed that. I still think Deontay Johnson... He gets a little bit of disrespect because George Pickens is making the cool pop plays, mm-hmm. but Deontay Johnson just does the job really well game in and game out. And that's a lot of the times what coaching staffs like more than somebody who's out there just making those highlight real catches. Uh and he I still think he's a top 15 talent when it comes to the wide receiver position in the NFL. It would just be helpful if there was somebody there throwing him the ball, mm-hmm. or if Matt Canada, like you said, was scheming up a more effective. Pass game,
0: or was just gone. Like that would be the most helpful at this point is if he was just not there any longer because he stinks. Yes, gone altogether. All right, we each have one more. I feel like there's at least a twenty five percent chance we have the same guy, if not higher. I am on a team in the AFC
1: East. Uh, okay, you? no, I'm on the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm on okay. the Chiefs. No, I can go first. Then we can do yours, I guess. Uh, My guy is Elijah Moore. Ah, interesting. Because, I mean, it's been like a disaster season for Elijah Moore Truthers. I I mean, he got benched just because. He didn't play a game. And the reason was they were basically just letting him get his stuff together uh, because they were unhappy. Elijah Moore was very unhappy with the coaching by Zach Wilson and by Robert Sala. The benching of... Zach Wilson has overall been a positive for Elijah Moore. It's hard to really keep a lens in dynasty football of how talented a player is. But Mm -hmm. if you go back just to last season, Elijah Moore was doing a lot of very spectacular things with Zach Wilson, who I think we're pretty clear on is not a good quarterback in the NFL, or at least hasn't come into his own in that system. Uh, Moving forward, the jets have a lot of draft capital. The jets have a lot of ability to make moves. I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the Geno Smith competition landing they, spots. They,
0: they also have the, uh, a former, uh, the guy who was on the coaching staff of Jimmy Garoppolo, who is probably going to be available again this offseason. Yes. And I don't think that Elijah
1: Moore's misgivings this season have been the result of his own. He's 38th in the NFL in separation um, among wide receivers, which that's not a bad place to be. But at the same time, he's outside the top 50 in points per game for fantasy football players. He has multiple games with zero targets, which is an abomination for this. When Last week, Zach Wilson was throwing to C.J. Uzuma, Tyler Conklin, and Jeff Smith. like Those are the guys you're throwing to, not Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. I think the product of the misgivings of Elijah Moore's season have been a lot more on the quarterback play of this team. Oh, yeah. And, and it, I,
0: it's funny that you you say that about last week. Uh, what if I told you last week was his fourth best f- fantasy finish of the season at wide receiver 47? See, that, that's just horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He has two finishes inside the top 40, one finish inside the top 30. So he's had one week this week where if you started him, you were happy. And it was two targets for 64 yards and a touchdown. So the, it was just a, a big play, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, I still believe in him. I think he's highly talented. Garrett Wilson, probably more talented than yes. him. But completely fine with him being the the 1B to the one yeah.
0: Garrett Wilson on this team. And I
1: think right now he's probably pretty cheap in a lot of your dynasty leagues.
0: Yeah, there there's no reason from a talent perspective why we can't be talking about Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore as a one A one B, maybe Wilson doesn't have the the top end of like a Tyree Kill or a Jamar Chase, like those guys. But just as a tandem, there's no reason why those guys can't be in the conversation among like one of the best ten in the NFL because I I, I think they're both that good. That obviously includes Elijah Moore. We just need a a new signal caller in town and <laughs> and hopefully the I mean the Jets have basically a Super Bowl defense with a college level quarterback right now is that <laughs> okay so we went with similar uh type of guys this time Kadarius tony has had a tumultuous season for very different reason. reasons than uh than elijah moore his has been basically all health we we, we know what happened in new york he Had the hamstring injury that turns out wasn't really a hamstring injury for most of it. It was just they wanted to get him out of town. It was off the field stuff, whatever. He comes to the Chiefs, looks exciting for a game or two, and then immediately gets hurt, has a hamstring injury. And then he just now came back last week. And kind of predictable, the Andy Reid style is to ease guys back into it in the first game. He did that with Juju, did it with Tony. I'm sure he'll... Do it with McCole Hardman this week uh, against the Seahawks too. For those of you wanting to throw Hardman, who was the wide receiver two for a solid three week stretch, right back in your lineup. Uh, <laughs> My it could work out, but might give you some hesitation there in doing that. The Chiefs wide receivers who are under contract next season or have guaranteed basically okay. The wide receivers who are under contract next year are Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, and MVS. They can get off of MVS quite easily. So basically the only two guys that I think we can for sure say are on this team at the, in the receiver room that they have right now are Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, barring like a crazy trade. Here's the free agent class. Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, who I think we probably all hope they bring back because there's not much else promising out there. Darius Slayton, Alan Lazard, Marvin Jones, McCall uh, Horbin, who also himself could – could very well be back. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., and, I mean, our guy. He's got a family. He's relocated. I'm starting to add personal details to this. DJ Shark is going to have to relocate again this offseason. He, he's a free agent. Uh, he's got a well. family. So it's just all role players, basically, out there. The, the, the only way the choose to bring it in are the star receivers if they draft somebody early like if they trade up in the first round or if they really hit on a guy late first uh, or the second round, or if they make a big trade. And I just don't really think a big trade is too likely uh, for a receiver. So Tony is going to have a big opportunity next year. He could even have a big opportunity down the stretch this year. If he stays healthy, because he is probably the most talented receiver on this team. It's just really it is all about health. And I think, when you factor in the free agent class, the guys, the chiefs are are set to potentially lose and, and all of that stuff. And you look at, I believe when they traded for Tony, it was with an eye on 2023, knowing full well that there was really no other way, or this was the best way they could see to get a true difference maker potentially in 2023 was to, to find one kind of off the scrap heap a year early and get him in your system learn the offense. I mean, we've seen how slowly they're bringing along Sky Moore and they're not quite doing that with Tony, but also the offense is not an easy one for receivers to learn. I think we've heard Juju talk about the complexities of this offense versus the Steelers before the season and this time here. So you've got a guy who could potentially be one of the top receivers for Patrick Mahomes next season, who I think this year, he's been basically a non-factor and has essentially... Like one of the dynasty stashes of dynasty stashes right now. He could go from that to an every week starter if he were to ever stay healthy for an extended stretch next season.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think a big deal of this, too, is we didn't know Jarek McKinnon was going to end up being what he was until a late season rush last Mm -hmm. year, especially in the playoffs and what he was. Uh, most dynasty leagues, I'm assuming, have a trade deadline and you can't go out and grab Tony now. Mm-hmm. But there's probably going to be a sweet window where if he has a good playoff push, you want to acquire him before the season starts. And a lot of the moves are made in the offseason very well. You could see if Tony looks to be that player, they let somebody like Nicole walk. And he can also fit into a lot of those gadgety plays Mecole has. Uh, and it's always good to align yourself with the best quarterback in the league. I've seen the stat floating around. I think it's not true anymore because of Juju recently. But for a while, the Chiefs didn't have a top 30 fantasy wide receiver, mm-hmm. um, despite Mahomes being the overall quarterback one. I, part of that is the injuries on this team. Like mm-hmm. Juju was well on his way to being a
0: top 24 player until he got hurt. He he's, 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 he's already hit yeah. his, his Vegas prop that we all said was not easy over before yeah. the season. And I, I'm not going to predict Michael Hardman
1: because that one's a little, little more difficult. But, I mean, there was a four-week stretch where he was a top ten wide receiver.
0: He, he was the wide receiver, too, for a three-week stretch, yeah. and, and then he got hurt. Yep. Um, so, again, like,
1: I wouldn't buy into, like, Mahomes is always just going to be throwing the ball to anybody on the field. I do think that they this team still wants an alpha dominator. And this is probably, like, the best chance the Chiefs have over the next year and a half to get a player mm-hmm. to do that.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned the buy window. If he, he, obviously if you have a trade deadline, you can't trade for him. You're just kind of stuck. You're waiting it out right now. If he has a, like, he's not going to be, I don't think going to be like some unbelievable contributor down the stretch for the chiefs, but he could very well have some big games like that. That is something that has very much in the range of possibilities. You could go buy him from somebody who thinks they're like, okay, I have had this guy on my team all year. He can't stay healthy for more than three weeks. Like he could have a big game in the playoffs and then tweak his hamstring and then miss the next week. Like that, I could that could very very well happen. I think you could buy low, and I can't tell you if it's a good thing to do or not, but because that's all health related in, in my mind right now. But what I do think is it's a very high upside play, even if the value goes up to to go buy Tony, kind of in that window after the season and before the NFL draft when we don't really know what that receiver room is going to look like, because I do think he's going to be one of the headliners next year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. All right. Anything else, Dalton, before we jump out of here? I, I think- guess we're, I guess we need to answer uh, Goff or Daniel Jones for our guy clamped easy. If he goes back and listens real quick, I, I I'm saying pretty easily, Jared Goff, or are you, are you with me? Yeah. Panthers, bad defense. It's a warm game. Again, I'm targeting
1: those. <laughs> it, it just is. I'm just saying it's very important right now. And also like Jared Goff does help that offense a lot that, more than Daniel Jones helps his.
0: For sure. For sure. And we've obviously, uh, we've seen the Daniel Jones come back to earth uh, thing happen very abruptly uh, this season. And that is going to do it. Uh, for us on episode 96 of the Half Point for podcast uh, for myself and my meteorologist co-host Belton Willie, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube. The link to all of these things in the show notes as always. The show is available anywhere you listen, Spotify, Apple, all of those types of places. Not quite sure what the plan will be next week. Uh, we'll We'll shoot for a show next week, but just know it's a holiday week, so it's kind of kind of gonna be a weird week. We'll, we'll shoot for a show or YouTube video or, or something, but we'll keep you guys updated on Twitter. Good luck to everybody in their fantasy matchups this week, and have a Merry Christmas. Talk to you soon.